should uh, take out your Bibles this morning and turn once again for the last time to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 7. We are not done with the book of 1 Corinthians, but we will be done today with the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 7. So you can turn there with me this morning. We'll be looking at verses 17 through 40. Verses 17 through 40. This has been an extended treatise from the Apostle Paul regarding uh, divisions in the church, namely divisions regarding uh, marriage relationships and, uh, and issues of intimacy and all of those sorts of things and all the divisions that can come from it. Uh, and he's kind of concluding this section on divisions today. And so those are the, some of the things that we're going to see. Uh, and he really ends with a powerful reminder about what the main point of his message. And so we'll get to that. Um, let me remind you that this is God's good and kind and gracious word that he has given to you so that you might have abundant life in Jesus Christ today. So I, I hope that you will give attention to it and that by his spirit he will focus your attention on his word today. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, starting at verse 17. Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. This is my rule in all of the churches. Was anyone at the time of his call already circumcised? Let him not seek to remove the marks of circumcision. Was anyone at the time of his call uncircumcised? Let him not seek circumcision. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but keeping the commandments of God. Each one should remain in the condition in which he was called. Were you a slave when called? Do not be concerned about it. But if you gain your freedom, avail yourself of the opportunity. For he who was called in the Lord as a slave is a freedman of the Lord. Likewise, he who was free when called is a slave of Christ. You are bought with a price. Do not become slaves of men. So brothers, in whatever condition each was called, there let him remain with God. Now concerning the betrothed, I have no command from the Lord, but I give my judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. I think that in view of the present distress, it is good for a person to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not be, do not, uh, are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be free. Are you free from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a betrothed woman marries, she has not sinned. Yet those who marry will have worldly troubles, and I would spare you that. This is what I mean, brothers. The appointed time has grown very short. From now on, let those who have wives live as though they had none, and those who mourn as though they were not mourning, and those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing, and those who buy as though they had no goods, and those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it. For the present form of this world is passing away. I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife. And his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. If anyone thinks that he is not behaving properly toward his betrothed, if his passions are strong and it, and it, has, and it has to be, let him do as he wishes. Let them marry. It is no sin. 
But whoever is firmly established in his heart, being under no necessity, but having his desire under control, and has determined this in his heart to keep her as his betrothed, he will do well. So then he who marries his betrothed does well, and he who refrains from marriage will do even better. A wife is bound to her husband as long as he lives, but if her husband dies, she is free to be married to whom she wishes, only in the Lord. Yet in my judgment, she is happier if she remains as she is. And I think that I too have the Spirit of God. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Let's pray and ask for the Lord to help us understand this word. Pray with me, please. Father, we thank you for giving us your word, and we thank you that your word touches on all areas of life, and that your word does focus our attention on uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray today that we would see him and behold him, uh, that we would see and have uh, from this word all that you would intend for us, and that we might glorify him in our lives, in our marriages, in our singleness, in whatever state you have us in now. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. A couple uh, weeks ago in one of these sermons, I discussed uh, the issue of happiness. And I said uh, that happiness really is behind all of the, the major questions and philosophical uh, searching that happens in the world. And it, it's the question that lies behind uh, almost every single thing that we do. Um, and in a couple of ways, I don't want to do, do another deep dive into that. I just want to remind you of that. And and point out to you uh, that in our world today, there are some basic answers about how you can be happy. One of those answers is very individualistic, and it focuses on the self. And it says the way that you can find happiness is for you to serve yourself and to serve your needs, your wants, your desires. That by serving yourself over others and finding and getting what you want, then you will be happy. You will be satisfied. And that tends to be the attitude of a lot of people in the world today. If it feels good, do it. Well, what happens to those people, maybe not at the beginning, but what tends to happen whenever they think about things in that way and whenever they pursue a life of trying to fulfill those desires, they end up bitter and angry and lonely because no one wants to be around them because they are merely using everyone else for their own gain. Well, the world looks at that and they say, ah, okay, what we don't need to do then is serve ourselves. And another worldly response that sounds super righteous and incredibly good is to say, well, to be happy, we shouldn't serve self, we should serve others. And so the world says what you need to do is to serve others, to devote your life to the betterment of others, that you need to give of yourself in every waking moment that you are alive. You need to not regard yourself, but regard others, think of others, and do whatever others need of you. And these individuals, we are surrounded by them. They end up bitter and lonely and unhappy because what they find out is there is no end to the amount of help that other people need. And in the meantime, they kind of lose their identity, who they are in the process. So both of those ends of the spectrum, serving self and serving others, do not lead to happiness. But in this passage today, what Paul is teaching is that there is a way to happiness that does not mean serving others and does not mean serving self. But there's a third way, a better way. And that way is an undivided devotion to 
to the Lord. And this is the thing that makes Christianity distinctly different in terms of a moral ethic. In serving others, or in serving the Lord, you will find out that you actually are serving others and you're having your needs met in the meantime. But Paul points the people here today and he's saying you need to understand that you are called to an undivided devotion to the Lord. So we're going to see this in three ways today. First of all, in verses 17 through 24, you see devotion to the Lord in whatever station of life God has you. Whatever your station, whatever your status is, you find that you are to be devoted to the Lord in that station in 17 through 24. Secondly, you see devotion to the Lord in whatever circumstances of life that the Lord has you in verses 25 through 31. And then finally, he gives you devotion to the Lord in all of the troubles that you might have in this world in verses 32 through 40. So we begin in verse 17 with this undivided devotion to the Lord. And I just want to point out to you that he repeats verse 17 three times in these in just a few verses. So look at verse 17. He says this, Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. This is my rule in all of the churches. He, Paul is saying, you know, I've gone all, to all of these different churches. He's planted a lot of churches at this point. And everywhere he goes, he teaches them how they are to conduct their lives. How are they to live, live their lives? And he says, well, this is the rule that I have for everyone. This is a universal rule. So mark it down, live according to it. Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. So this is simple. This is easy. You are called by God, according to the Apostle Paul, to live the life that God has given you. Not the life that he hasn't given you. Well, duh. I mean, that's pretty simple, right? Except that it's really not, because most of our life, we are pursuing a life that God has not given us. We are pursuing some station, some status that is not ours, and we're fighting and clawing to get to that next level, to that next place, to find something that makes us something better than what we currently are. And what Paul says is, no, live the life that God has assigned to you. He says that in verse 17. He also says it in verse 20. Each one should remain in the condition in which he was called. And then again at the very end, he says, uh, at the end of this section, verse 24, So brothers, in whatever condition each was called, let him remain with God. And so what he's saying here is, if you are called today to be single by God, then be single. If you have been called by God to be married, then be married. There's other things that he says in here, and he gives two kind of illustrations of what he's talking about. He's leaving for a moment uh, marriage and, um, and singleness and all that to use two kind of very odd illustrations. The first one is from religion, from, from uh, Judaism, circumcision and uncircumcision. And the second one is regarding slavery and being free. He kind of leaves that idea of marriage, and he goes to these other two illustrations, and he says, okay... Um, Here's what I mean. Remain as you are. Here's one example. If you are circumcised, if you are a Jewish man and you have been circumcised, remain circumcised. Now, I'm going to give a little plug for my Monday night, Tuesday night Bible study now because this past Tuesday night, 
I went into great detail about what that meant. Because if you know anything about what I'm talking about, you might think to yourself, how in the world would that take place? Well, let me just assure you that in the ancient time, there was a surgery that could reverse circumcision. And Jewish people, Jewish men, in order to fit into Roman society, in order to kind of move in and rub shoulders with the elite classes of Roman society, in order to better their station in life, would have this surgery. Okay? Again, come to Monday Night Bible Study, and I will give you all the details that you want on that. I can't do it here. I would love to, but I can't. All right? And so what Paul says is, if you are a Jewish man who now believes in Christ and you have had that procedure done, don't seek to reverse that. Don't change who you are because God called you to that. And if you are a Gentile who is converted to Christianity, don't change who you are. You are a Gentile convert and you don't need to have that procedure in order to fit in. That's the first illustration that he uses. And the second one It's one that maybe is more controversial in our day, but he says, if you are a slave, don't let it bother you. Because in Christ, you are free. Don't seek to be released from your slavery. Unless you can be released from your slavery. Do you see what he says? He says, now, you have to remember that in this day, there was, it wasn't the kind of chattel slavery that we saw in, uh, in the American South. It was more like indentured servitude. So people could, could um, if they had debts, they could sell themselves into slavery and over time would contractually work out how they could be released from that slavery. And Paul says, if you find yourself as a Christian today already in that condition of being a slave, don't run away from your master. Serve your master. Agree or continue to work under the contract that you have negotiated with your master. And don't let it bother you. Work as unto the Lord as a slave. So work for your employer. That's the application to you. If you have an employer that you don't like, well, he's saying while you're working for him and you're under his authority, work for him as unto the Lord. But, he says, if you can secure your freedom, great, do that. Secure your freedom. Why? Because you have been set free in Christ. Now here's the other thing that he says regarding that. He says, If you today are a freed person in Christ, do not, because you have debts or any of those things, sell yourself into slavery. Don't go that route. That is a worldly route, he says. What you need to do in that case is trust that the Lord, in your certain station, in that circumstance where you are, that he will take care of you. You see what he's saying there? Remain as You are in whatever station God has called you. So here's the application. Uh, Well, here's, and here's, uh, again, the main point. Here's here's the main thing. If you want nothing else from this sermon, get this. And I'm going to return to this because this is the main thing in verse 24. So, brothers, in whatever condition each was called, let him remain with God. And this is Paul's big point. If you are married or single... If you are a slave or free, if you are circumcised or uncircumcised, or let's say, for example, you have wealth, or, for example, you are poor, he says, whatever it is, if you have wealth, if you don't have wealth, if you are Jew or Gentile, if you have any of these things, what should you do in those different stations? As the world is looking down on you, if you are a Jewish person, he says, remain with God. 
remain with God. There's application for us in regards to um, this is something that was happening back then. And, uh, um, I don't have a lot of time to go into this, but um, here's essentially what he's saying. Here's the application. Um, if you have an abundance today, if the Lord has given you many resources, wonderful. That is great. Acknowledge the fact that the Lord has given you those resources and use those resources in order to glorify God. If the Lord has not given you abundant resources today, great. Praise the Lord for all that he has given you and praise the Lord that he has not given you more because he knows better than you what you can handle. But tomorrow, if the Lord gives you more resources, great. Use those resources for the Lord. Today, if you are married, glorify the Lord in your marriage. Remain married. Tomorrow, if you're not married because your spouse dies, then praise the Lord because he has called you to a new station in life. Don't artificially try to make this station in life to better yourself, but trust the Lord where he has you. If the Lord, if you have this job and you don't necessarily like this job, should you leave that job? Well, if you want another job, we happen to live in a country where you can go and get another job. Can you look for another job? Yes, you can. But while you're in the job that you're in, glorify God and remain with God with the job that you're in. And if he calls you to another job, go to that job and remain with God in that new job. Parents, if you're able to educate your children in a way that honors God with your resources, you should not worry about whether or not you send them necessarily to public school, private school, homeschool. All right. Now, I have certain opinions about the things that are happening in all of those different places, and we can have conversations about that. But we must acknowledge that there are some people who are not able to send their children to private school. And they're not able to homeschool their children. Some people are in that condition. They're in, or not in that condition, they're in that status. And we do not need to look down on those believers in Christ who are doing the very best they can do as parents raising their children to be godly children. As a matter of fact, what we need to do is come alongside of those people and encourage them to remain with the Lord as they are struggling through this very hard life. That's what Paul says. Remain with the Lord in whatever status he has put you in today. And if he changes your status, praise the Lord for it. But today, remain with the Lord. That's the main application. And because of that, I can go through these other two points fairly quickly. Lord willing, I can do that. I mean, y'all know it probably won't happen, but I probably I, I can. So let's do this. Devotion to the Lord in your circumstances. Uh, this is the second thing in verse 25 through 31. Devotion, devotion to the Lord in the, your circumstances. Now he returns back to talking about what it means to be married or single. And he uses, now he's talking to the betrothed, to those who are engaged to be married. Now, betrothal in the ancient world was wildly different than it is today. And I really don't have a firm grasp on the kind of betrothal that he's talking about here for the Corinthian believers. I would imagine that they are believers that are betrothing themselves to each other. And now there's this big question, should we actually follow through and get married? Betrothal was, was in some ways an engagement, but it was much more than an engagement. 
Because in, in that engagement period, in that betrothal period in the ancient times, there were legal ramifications for doing this, okay? Today, if you want to break off an, an engagement, you can do that. I mean, there's some social consequence and there's emotional consequence. There's not usually legal consequence that goes along with it. Well, back then there was legal consequence. And now you have these Christians who are betrothed to one another, engaged to get married, and they're asking Paul, well, should we go through with it? So what Paul says is, well... Um, I have no command from the Lord, and this is what he's saying. You know, Jesus didn't deal with this specific topic in his earthly ministry, but here is biblical wisdom. And he says, but I give my judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. I think that in view of the present distress, it is good for a person to remain as he is. Paul is teaching the same thing he just taught. Remain as you are. So if you're betrothed and you're not yet married, remain betrothed. And don't get married. Unless, he says, unless you want to get married, in which case get married. (laughs) Remain as you are. And guess what? If you want to go ahead and get married, guess what God is calling you to do? He's calling you to get married. So get married. Wonderful. And he says, if you get married, you have not sinned. And if there's this woman who wants to get married and she's betrothed and she marries her betrothed, She has not sinned either. Great. But he's saying that there is this issue, that there is... um, There's a car going on also. There we go. All right. So if if you're in this situation, he says, why should you even consider these things? He says, look, you need to understand that the time is short. That this present time, there's difficulty that is coming, that there is distress. And what does he mean when he's talking about this? And there's a lot of different commentators that say a lot of different things regarding this. Um, And here's what I think he's saying. Uh, Paul is writing in between the time of the ascension of Jesus Christ to heaven and the destruction of the temple in A.D. 70. And that was kind of the time between the time. A lot of incredible things was happening in that 35-year period between the ascension of Jesus Christ and the destruction of the temple in A.D. 70. The Spirit of God was moving in a way during this time that we have not seen since in a global and worldwide fashion. And what Paul is saying is that we are living in an incredibly difficult time back then. But also he's saying there is the reality that we are even now going forward living in the last days. When the Bible talks about the last days, the end times... They're talking about the days in which we are living. And it's been like that every single day since Jesus Christ ascended into heaven. We are, yes, living in the last days. And we have been living in the last days for nearly 2,000 years. The time is short. And what does Paul say to those who are living in these last days? He says you need to have a certain understanding of who you are and the time in which you're living. So this is directly applicable to you and me today. This is what he says. He says, because the time is short, this is what I mean in verse 29. From now on, let those who have wives live as though they had none. And those who mourn as though they were not mourning. And those who rejoice as though they are not rejoicing. And those who buy as though they had no goods. And those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it. Okay. So wait a second. Is Paul saying that if I'm married... That I need to act like I'm not married? 
that I don't need to take responsibility for my family, for my wife, for my husband, for my children. Is that what he's saying? Absolutely not. And you know why you know that? Because all through this passage, he has been saying, if you're married, you have certain things that you have to do. You have responsibilities. But here's the point that he's making. Because the time is short, you and I need to recognize that our lives are actually very short relative to the whole span of time that in which God is working. In other words, your marriage is not the end-all, be-all of who you are. Your marriage, while it is a wonderful blessing from the Lord, does not define who you are to God. And so you should not put all of your eggs in the marriage basket about regarding who you are. Take care of your wife. Take care of your husband. Care for your children. But recognize your devotion does not need to be primarily to your family. It needs to be to the Lord. Give your life to the Lord. And in the process, what's going to happen? You're going to be obedient to the Lord because he says, love your wife as Christ loved the church. And wives, submit to your husbands as the church submits to the wife. In whatever circumstances you find yourself, because the time is short, live your life as if the time is short. Your life is short. So if you mourn today, realize that your mourning is going to be very brief. Because the Lord is going to return. He will call you to himself. And he says, those who rejoice, he says, remember that in your rejoicing today, that this time of rejoicing is short. There's an even greater time of rejoicing that is coming. Be devoted to the Lord in whatever circumstance he has you today. And if you have, if you have, if you buy goods, if you're going to the grocery store, he's saying, remember, those, those goods that you're buying don't, don't identify you. They don't, uh, they don't, um, Make you who you are. Who does? The Lord does. So be devoted to the Lord in whatever you do. Do not put too much stock in the things of this world. Because this world, as he says here in verse uh, 31, for the present form of this world is passing away. Notice he doesn't say this world is passing away. He says the present form of this world. There's a transformation that's taking place. We don't know what the end, the end goal or what the end of it is going to look like. We have some ideas, but there's some mystery that's involved here. But he says, remember, this world is passing away. Or the form of this world is passing away. So live accordingly. Devote yourself to the Lord. When? Not tomorrow. Do it today. Do it today. In your marriage. In your life. In your job. In whatever circumstances that he has for you. Now, the next thing, the last thing that he says is that you are to have devotion to the Lord in all of your troubles. Now, he goes on to talk about the troubles that come whenever you get married. He says, you know, I want you to be free from anxieties. And he says, you know, if you're unmarried, well, there's a benefit to you because you have anxieties that you don't have if you were married. Why? Because the husband is concerned about taking care of his wife and pleasing his wife, and the wife is concerned about pleasing her husband. And so there are concerns and things that come along with that. And he says, and if you're not married, well, great. You don't have to worry about those things. But the whole point of this section is to say that there are troubles that come in this world and that there are troubles that come because of where the Lord has placed you. 
And as you're going through those troubles, as you're going through those circumstances, whatever they might be, what should you be? And in verse 35, he says, I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint on you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. If you're married, if you're single, what should you do? Be devoted to the Lord. Now, do you have any troubles in this life? Are there any trials that you're going through today? When you walk through the doors of this church, were there things that were bothering you? No? Good. Well, we can go home. We're all perfect. We don't have any problems. Great. The Lord has fixed all of us. Obviously, no. You've come here with all of these problems and all of this baggage. You have troubles today. You have troubles in your marriage. You have troubles in your relationship. You have troubles with loved ones, family, school, baseball team, on and on and on. All of these troubles that come into your life. All of these cares, all of these concerns. And what should you do with those troubles today? Devote yourself to the Lord in the midst of your troubles. He doesn't say get away from your troubles, flee from your troubles. He doesn't say, look, marriage is hard. So if you're married and it's hard, get out of that marriage. No, he says, if you're in that marriage and it's hard and you're, it's bringing anxiety and various things to you, devote yourself to the Lord in your marriage within those troubles. What should you do with your troubles? Take them to the Lord. Devote yourself to the Lord in the midst of them. And through those troubles, be devoted to Him. Now, he doesn't say here that you have to go looking for troubles. You don't have to put yourself in the way of having a hard life. Please don't do that. Okay? He is not calling you to asceticism. He is not calling you to deny your passions if you have them. What he does call you to is to appropriately direct your passions in the way that he has, uh, he has commanded you to do so. But he doesn't say, you know, go looking for troubles, go looking for all of these things. But here's the thing. If you live this life, and I'm assuming that everyone here listening is living this life, you're going to have troubles. Devote yourself to the Lord in the midst of them. In conclusion, you know, Paul is driving one main point home, and he has been for chapter after chapter after chapter. And the point is that you are not your own. That if you belong to Jesus Christ, the reason why you belong to Him is because He has bought you at a price. He said that in verse 23, reminding them something that He said chapters before. You were bought with a price You do not belong to yourself and therefore you cannot do what you want. But because he loves you and he gave himself for you and he purchased you in your body with his own body and his own blood, you have been bought at a price and you are now a slave to Jesus Christ. And in that slavery to Jesus, you find ultimate freedom, ultimate happiness. Because he has given everything for you. We have the opportunity to come today to enjoy the table of the Lord. That is the picture to us of him giving his body and his blood for us. Because he has purchased us for himself. Let's pray and ask for him to help us to see that in this meal in a moment. Father, we thank you for giving us this message and this word. I pray, Lord, 
that we as your people would be devoted to you because you have purchased us, because you, we belong to you. And Father, in that, you have served your people. You have given everything that is needed. Father, we thank you for setting us free in Jesus Christ and for making us his slaves. I pray that we would find happiness in our devotion to Jesus Christ. I pray, Father, that in a moment as we approach the table, that we would not approach in our own strength and our own might, but we would approach in faith in the finished work of Christ for us. Again, Father, we thank you for this meal. We thank you for this word. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.